Thanks for listening to the Galilee Students Podcast. We exist to help students love God, love others, and serve all. All right, all right. Hey, I'm really glad you're here tonight. Um, we are in the last night of our series. You're like, man, I've missed it all. That's okay. Um, it's, we're going to bring you back up to speed. We'll do a review here in just a second. We're doing this thing at the end of every talk, at the end of every message, and we're just letting uh, students, or even adults, like ask some, some questions. That, like, there's a lot of times when I'm sitting listening to someone speak, and I know this probably happens in class. Like the teacher's saying something, and you're like, well, what about, like, can I ask that? And there's a lot of time, especially in a sermon, it's not like the place to stand up and be like, hey, you know, like I got a question here. Like some, I guess it happens sometimes. It doesn't happen too often. But usually it's like there's not a lot of dialogue. It's one dude talking the whole time. Uh, so here's what we've been doing. We're doing this. Like you can ask a question and it's, uh, you know, we don't know who asked the question. It's totally, uh, you know, we, we don't know who asked them. And you can ask in a couple different places. You can ask on our Galilee Student Ministry app. If you click on that, there's a little Q&A button. You hit that and it'll work there. Also, once again, in our Instagram account, which is at Galilee Students, there in the bio, there's another thing you click on and it'll, you can just ask a question. And in a couple of weeks, we've had some really, really good questions. Uh, last week, I don't think we had any, and that's, that's okay. Uh, and maybe you don't have any tonight, and that's, that's, that's definitely all right. Also, want to remind you, we are now... Um, we're recording every every week, so if you miss for sports, or if you miss because you know, like there's there's class and you got school stuff, or you just your parents are like, hey, tonight you're not going. Uh, we just want you to know there's a way you can check in and listen and continue to hear God's word. Um, you can do that in Spotify. Like if you write in your Spotify, if you search Galilee Student Ministry, um, it will pop up in there. You can listen to last night's message. You can listen to Sunday morning's message if you want to do that. Uh, if you need to fall asleep, you know, put me on and I'll put you right to sleep as you listen to uh, the sermon. Uh, you can go in your Apple, if you have an Apple phone or Google phone, whatever the podcast is, if you search us, you will find there. Uh, last week, we had a dude in India listening to the message, and I think that's kind of cool. We're like worldwide. Um, we got to put some people in America, and one person in India is listening to uh, the message. Kind of crazy the way uh, technology works like that. But hey, ask a question, because here's the time. We don't want you to ever leave and, and not have a time to ask questions. That's one reason why we do life groups as well. It's a good place to ask questions. Uh, so tonight, we're just going to review real quick of where we've been. We've been talking about dating, relationships, things like that. And we started off the first week saying this, that becoming the right person is important before looking for the right person. Like you don't want to hop into a relationship when you're not ready for that, you're not mature, you're not ready, you don't even know, you know what you're kind of looking for. Like you don't want to do that. You want to become the right person before you date the right person. Like that's a really important thing to do. And hopefully that's what you're doing right uh, now. Like that's what you're, you're trying to become the right person. Uh, for somewhere down the road. Uh, we're also, we talked about this, uh, that your first relationship goal is to have a relationship with Jesus. Like that's where it starts. That's what it needs to be about. That's what's a, uh, that's a really important thing uh, is that, and it's just kind of where we start. The next week we talked about actually being single, and I've, I've not talked a lot or preached a lot of sermons about being single, but we talked about that, and it's that there's a, many times a season for that, and many times it says in Scripture like it's actually a gift, like it's a time where you can really focus you, like your time, and, and you can have the undistracted devotion to God and other people, uh, and that we always don't have to. Like all the time I'll see people, they always have to be dating someone. Like they just break up and all of a sudden the next week there's somebody else, you know, on their arm. And I'm like, you really? Like there probably should be a little bit of pause there maybe. Um, I, I don't know. Uh, but we, we, we talked about that and it's, it's like not weird. It's not crazy to be single. 
I know the world pushes us to say, hey, hey, you got to be in a relationship. You got to be in a relationship. But really, that's just know there's, a, there's especially in middle and high school, uh, don't feel that pressure that you have to. Like you have to, to date someone because that's uh, it's an, an untrue um, pressure. Uh, the, the next week we talked about this, and this is an important one, man, uh, evaluation, like who to date. Like we should be evaluating. We should be looking at their character. Do they love Jesus? And we should be looking at the chemistry. Like do we have chemistry with that person? Very important things. We talked about not settling for someone, like really making sure who we are going to date. It's, like it's a really important thing. And last week we uh, looked at this, like how to date. We talked about we need to invite God into it. We need to date with clarity. And it's really important to date uh, in community so other people can speak into that relationship and make sure it's safe and make sure it's good, make sure it's those type of things. So tonight, tonight we are the last of them, and tonight we are going to be talking about sex. Now just know tonight it's going to be PG. We're not going to talk about birds and bees or anything like that. We're really just going to be talking about God's design for sex, like where that happens, what his plan is. Like that's what we're going to be talking about tonight. Um, and, and before we get into that, I just simply I, I start this way many times when I talk about sex at the church is this. I, I want to apologize. Because here's what the church has not done very well. We've not talked about it enough. Because here's what happens everywhere else it's talked about. You watch something on Netflix and you see something that, that says, well, that's what's supposed to happen there. You, you, you know, you hear it in song lyrics. You hear, you hear all kinds of things. And our culture and our world is like all the time talking about it, images of it. Like it's, it's everywhere else. But many times in the church, it's just, just, we, we don't talk about it enough. And I, I really think that's not a good thing. I mean, probably a little bit because it's, it's uncomfortable to talk about. Like tonight, I want to choose my words very carefully, right? It's awkward sometimes. But I think what we really need to be doing is listening to what God says than, than what the world's going to tell us, hey, this is the way it should go. So just know, that many times, and myself included on this, the church has not been good in talking about this. So tonight, hopefully, it is good. And here's the thing with, with all the messages we hear. You and I are bombarded we, we are bombarded with two different messages when it comes to sex, especially in middle and high school. And even after that, we are. Like, like here's the thing. We are bombarded from, from two different sides when it comes to, to, to sex. Like, here's the thing. Like, like one message, like, the, our culture and our world is saying yes. Like, yeah, yeah just go ahead. Yes, it's, it's okay. Uh, yes, you can have sex. You've got the green light. You know, you have it as often as you want with as many people as you want. Like, that's what many times our world is telling us. Like, everybody's doing it. You're weird if you don't do it. Like, that's what we hear on the one side. And, you know, do whatever your body, you, whatever feels good you should do that like that's one side we're bombarded with and then there's this other side we're bombarded with like at church and from parents and from you know youth ministers like myself and more importantly from God and it's like this it's it's saying the total opposite like wait 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 hold up just hold on like not right now like there's a time and a place and there's a design for sex you can see how sometimes that can be it can can be really difficult to, to to balance those two I know for me, I didn't have a lot of messages growing up. I grew up in youth group just like you. That's probably why I'm a youth minister today because my youth minister is really influential on me and I just wanted to be that for other students or other kids. Like that's what I just wanted to do and that's probably why I sit here tonight because he had a, a really big impact on my life. But here's what I just knew and I heard from parents and I heard from from him and like back when I was in youth group in the 80s, there wasn't a, uh, it was even a, more of a taboo to talk about. It was just this, don't do it. 
Don't do it. Don't even think about it. Don't do it. Don't look at it. Like, don't do it. Like, it was just that. And here's the thing. I think tonight, hopefully, my prayer is this. It'll be a little helpful of knowing the why. I'm just saying no. Because I think you, you probably know God's, God's plan. If you don't tonight, maybe you'll learn that. You can just see a little bit what the Bible has to say for when it comes to something as intimate as, uh, as, as sex. I think there's a more helpful way, and hopefully tonight helps us process uh, the why behind it. And like many things when it comes to God, and I love this about God, he's got a plan. He's got a plan. You see, God is this intelligent designer. It's really cool when you begin to look at creation and you begin to look at how he makes things and you begin to look at how he makes parts of our body, like the eye, all different kinds of things where you're like, man, that just works like the tilt of the earth. Like if we were tilted like one more degree, like we'd probably get burnt up by the sun. Like it's just amazing to see the design that God has. And even when it comes to sex, here's what I want you to remember tonight, that he has a design for it when it comes to sex. Like he has a plan of how it would work best And when that should happen. So tonight we're going to be looking at this, God's design for sex. We're going to be looking at simply that, God's design for sex. And Jesus talks about his design. He talks about this in Mark chapter 10. And here's what we find in Mark chapter 10. In Mark chapter 10, here's what we find in God's word. If you go ahead to that, yeah. Um, But from the beginning, now here's what I like about Jesus. He's not like, hey, this is just a cultural old school Bible thing. That's not where he stops. He's just say, just for Bible times, where does Jesus go? He goes all the way back to creation. Like, this is my plan. This is not just old school Bible thing. Here's, here's my plan. Here's my design. All the way back to creation. This is not cultural. He goes back. I left my notes in there, actually. Uh, that's not in Scripture. This is not cultural. He goes back to creation. Uh, here's what it says in the Bible. God made them male and female. Therefore, a man shall leave his father and his mother and shall hold fast to his wife. And the two shall become one flesh. So they're no longer two, but one flesh. What therefore God has joined together, let not man separate. You see, God has given us this design. He's given us this plan here in Scripture. And our culture many times is, 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 is wanting to, and many times we like to, we like to define it a different way. But here's the way I like to define it. It's this, this illustration. If we go ahead and throw that illustration up, uh, here is, uh, I think it's an easy way to, to kind of illustrate God's design when it comes to sex all through the Bible. Like if you were to look in the Old Testament, if you were to look in the New Testament, if you were to look deep in theology about what God says about sex, here's what you will find every time. It'll just be, it'll be this, like God's design all through the Bible is a husband and wife. And it's which, within the bounds of marriage. Like, that's where he says, here's my plan. I'm just going to let you in on it. God says, like, here's my plan. It would be this. It would be in the context of marriage. Like, that's my plan. That's my design. So here's what we find. Everything outside the box becomes sinful when it comes to sex. Like the Bible teaches, that's just not his design. So anything you can put outside of that box, which is marriage, like pornography, that's... That's not his design. It's just, just not. Premarital sex, like if you're having sex with your boyfriend or girlfriend, that's just, it's, it's not in the box. It's not God's design. He designed that for marriage. Same-sex sexual activity. One-night stands. 
hookup culture, that's not his design. People who cheat on their husband and wife, that's not his designs. And I could go on and on about the things that are kind of outside of the box. And God would just say, no, 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 that's not my design. My design is simply this. It would be in that box, the box that was up there, the box of marriage, husband and wife. That's the design that he has, and that's the plan that he has for us. Is anything outside the box unforgivable? No. It's definitely not. God can forgive. It's what he does. He, it's why he came was to forgive us and to wash those things away. But anything out the box, it's like that's just, just my design and my plan. It's, it's different for you. See, a lot of times I think we, and I, I remember thinking this, well, God and Christians just must be very anti-sex. Like that's, that's just what it is. It's just very anti. Like the church does not like that. Like, and here's the thing. The answer to that is no. Because here's the thing, God created sex. He created that. It's what he created. And sex isn't something we see, if you look in the book of Genesis, you don't see it after the fall. Like after Eve eats the fruit, that's not where you find it. You find before that happened, like Adam and Eve, they were husband and wife. They were in the box, like they were in marriage before the fall happened. Like it was something, It was you know, God talks about creation he says it was very good they were made in his image it was a very very good thing it did not happen you know it happens after the fall yes but it's not something because of the fall like it's something God created and and for mankind for a couple to enjoy he created us for to enjoy it he created it to be an intimate thing he created it to be this special connection he created it to create families and he knows that it works best in a marriage like that's just where it works best and all through the bible he just gives us some warnings hey remember it's the box like just my best plan for you my my best design for you is in marriage like that's my best like that's where this should happen 1 Corinthians 6.18 says this, and it kind of tells us, make sure, you know, be careful about, you know, going outside the box. Flee from sexual immorality. It's a pretty bold word there. Flee, run, like from sexual immorality. All the other sins a person commits are outside the body, but whoever sins sexually sins against their own body. He's like, anything outside the box, man, don't get near, like run, like be very careful. That's not my, you know, and here's the cool thing about God. Whenever he gives us this negative command, and this is broader than just what we're talking about tonight. Anytime God gives you a negative command, when he says, hey, don't do this or don't do that, which a lot of times we feel like, and I remember that, like I feel like sometimes when I'm I'm teaching, like the Bible's always like, don't do this and don't do that, and and you shouldn't do that, and thou shalt not. Like many times we feel the Bible's like hammering those kind of things at us, but here's what you need to remember when God gives a negative command like this, like, hey, flee it, get away from it, don't play with it, you know, don't flirt with that. Like here's what God is doing. Whenever he says do this or that, we, we have to remember that any time a negative command comes, that God is always providing us at that moment two positive things. There's two positive things that he's trying to get across to us here. One is this, he's providing us something better. Like better than what we would choose, he's providing something better. And he's protecting us from something that could be worse or could be hurtful or could be harmful or something that's not with his plan. Like that's what he's trying to do. You know, like all through scripture you can see this. Like why does he say, like let's take for instance, uh, don't lie. 
Why in the world would God say don't lie? Like he says it's not a good thing because he wants to do two positive things. The first would be this. Um, he's providing, you know, he's providing something better. What's better than a lie? The truth. He knows the truth is better, and he's providing, hey, Brian, don't lie, man. I'm telling you, truth is better. It's my design. It's my plan. And also, why is he? He's protecting us. You ever seen what lies do to families or what lies do to friendships or what lies do to, to our lives? Destruction and havoc and chaos. He's like, Brian, I don't want you to lie because, man, I want to protect you from that. I got something better for you, like truth will work a lot better in your relationships. Or maybe you need a, a picture. Whenever God gives this negative command, you know, don't do this. He's, remember, he's pointing us to something better. Like That's what he's trying to do. Maybe you need a, a simple example. Like uh, Maybe it's one this, and you probably all heard this when you were a little kid. And I used to tell my kids this all the time as well. It's, it's a, what every parent has told some child in their family. Don't play in the street. Right? I mean, who's heard that in their lifetime? All of us have probably heard that sometime when we're a little kid. When we're a little kid, we've heard that. Do not play in the street. When my kids were little, that's what I would give them. And I'd say to them, don't go running into the street. Don't do that. That's a negative command. It's a negative command. But it's a good thing that I'm saying that, right? Because here's what comes from that. Because I know what could happen with the cars racing down the street. Now, I don't live in a subdivision, but here's the thing. I live in the middle of the country, and there's hills, and there's curves. And I'm telling you, people fly down our road. They are just all out getting it. They're flying down the road. So here's what I do. I rightfully, lovingly give them this restriction because I know what's best for them. I don't say it just to give them this negative command. I want to point them that, hey, the yard's the safe place, man. It's safe in here. You can ride your bike in here. You can frolic in here. You can run in here. Like, this is the safe place. Like, I know that that's, I want to protect them from harm. And when you run out in the road, you're, you're not safe. So it's kind of this picture that I would offer you as we see this command. Don't do this. Run from this. Don't rationalize. Don't flirt with. Like run. Flee from sexual immorality. Like don't play in the street. God is saying don't go out on the road. You like stay in the yard. That's where my desire is. That's where like harm's not going to come to you. That's where pain's not going to come. Like it's, it's a safer place than when you go outside his will. And it gives us this beautiful picture of God as a father. And all fathers want what's best, even though many times we don't see that. Even though a lot of times our earthly fathers are not perfect, our heavenly father is. And he says, man, would you just trust that I know what's, what's best? Would you trust that I know what's good for your protection? Like, would, you just, would you just trust that? You see, I believe this, if God created sex, then his plan is, is, is probably the plan we should go with, right? And he's the creator of it all. He's the one who gets the say. That's like me going to Elon Musk. He's the guy that created uh, Tesla. He's the guy that creates rockets that go to SpaceX. I would never come to him and his design in, into a Tesla car or a SpaceX rocket, a SpaceX rocket and be like, uh, hey, this is Brian here, Youth Minister, Galley Christian Church. You're going to... Come on, man. Seriously, those wheels, like, that, 
that programming system, you're going to have to change. Like, I don't know. Like, he is the creator of it. He is the designer of it. And many times we love to look at God and say, hey, like, I think I want to change this or that. And we just need to remember that he is his design and his design is good and it's not to, to harm us. It's not for, to be ill of us. That God and Christians, we're, we're not anti-sex. That there's an order, there's a plan for it, there's a design for it. You know, and here's what Satan loves to do to our culture. He loves to undermine God's plan. You ever watch, that's what Satan likes to do. He likes to blur the lines of the, of the box, right? That's what he likes to do. He, he loves to do that. Hey, you know, come on. Seriously, you're going to believe that old, dusty Bible? Come on, man. That's, it's not even real for today. This is 2020. This is 2021. Come on, like, it doesn't matter here's what he loves to do. He loves to lead to those types of lives. And he seems to be more successful than ever at it. That's old school. Nobody does that anymore. Come on, man. But here's the thing. There are people that, that, that do follow his design. You see, the world's trying to tell us this, and we've been told this lie. We've been told this lie several times. It's one of the ones the world loves to tell, that sex is really, it's no big deal, and there's no real consequences to it. Come on, it's, it's really not a big deal. There's really not any consequences, you know, and the world loves to do that. But here's the thing, it is a big deal. And outside of marriage, it leads to a lot of real consequences. If there's no marriage covenant, like it leads to a lot of things. You know, a lot of people have figured out this. They've figured out how to beat the physical consequences, yes. Birth control is something that's been around for 50 plus years. Nowadays, there's even a pill you can take after you've had uh, relations or sex with someone and the next morning you can take it, uh, the girl can take it just to make sure that there's not going to be uh, a baby that comes from that. Like it, you, We've really tried, done a really good job of navigating the consequences physically. But here's the ones you can't shake. It's the emotional and the spiritual consequences. Those are a lot lot harder to get rid of. You know, if it's no big deal and there's no real consequences, then why have I had young people come and say, hey, Brian, can we talk? And Their greatest regret is something that's sexual. I remember a girl sitting in my office, and she's like, he just pressured me and pressured me. And I finally gave in. And about two days later, he said he was done with me. Why were there tears and pain? If there's no consequences, if it's not really a big deal. If I've seen students upon students, adults upon adults, broken in this relationship, if there's no big deal, if there's no really consequences, and why does it hurt so bad? I mean, that's like telling someone who's been in a sexual abuse case or, or been raped with so damaging things. Like, hey, there's no consequences. It's not a big deal. It's only, you know, it's, it's not really that big of a deal. You tell those people it's just a physical act. I mean, that is very insensitive. There's trauma that happens. It's, there's huge consequences. Those people for years are going through all kinds of really difficult things where lots of healing has to happen. You're just going to look at them and tell them, oh, it's no big deal. It's no real consequence. No, it's a real deal because there's a lot of big consequences emotionally and physically and spiritually when we partake in something like this outside of marriage. 
and sometimes the consequences come later. All kinds of studies right now are doing things that tell us that the people who are sexually active before marriage, like the divorce rate, clicks up a few because it just begins to do and sometimes there's consequences for, for not just a thing or just a fling. There's, there's things that happen. There's all kinds of consequences that are coming out right now. Um, they're coming out about pornography. How that is there's some big consequences when it comes to people stepping outside of like hey that's not in the box. Like that's not what God wants us to do. There's all kinds of stats that says the, the pornography addiction is leading to more and more later on. Like there's a lot of people who we find out later on they've had a pornography addiction and it's leading to a lot more divorce. It's leading to a lot more times where there are problems sexually in the marriage. Because it's not God's design. Because our sexual decisions, many times what they love to do is follow us around. And many times our decisions now, before we say I do, impact our sexual experiences later. They just do. But maybe you're like, you know what, Brian, come on. I don't believe the Bible. I don't believe in God, and that's okay. This, like we've always said, this is a safe place for people who do not believe. It's a safe place. Just know we're going to always continue to point you to Jesus because it's just who we believe is the person you should be pointed to. But maybe tonight you're not, you're not a believer. Maybe you're a science person, and that's your thing, that you're like, if science is legit, then I believe that, that like, that's truer than the Bible, man. Like, give me, give me science, and maybe that's the, the way you roll. You see, there's a, a chemical that's released when a, a mother nurses her baby. And, and this chemical creates this caring and nurturing in the brain of the baby. And it's often called the attachment hormone. Like that happens when mother and baby, like it's released to the baby's brain to attach the baby to the mother. And imagine this, how surprised when scientists discover that this attachment hormone is also released in your brain during a sexual intercourse. This desire to attach to someone not only your emotion, but it's, it's happening in the chemistry. And if you think there's no strings attached, you're, you're wrong. We were designed, like sex is designed to bond people together. The creator you know, created sex to be something that bonds us together. That's why it's supposed to be for, for, for marriage, even down to the chemistry of our brains. God is saying, this is why it's for marriage, because it's an attachment thing. Like it's a lot deeper than you think. There's a lot more strings that are attached to it. Like it's, it's one of those things. You see, there's no such thing as sex without consequences. There's no th- such thing as sex not being a big deal it's it's a big big deal and our culture is working overtime to tell us that sex is just physical come on man there's no consequences science is telling us there is and so is scripture so last question i have for you tonight and we'll end on this do you trust god with your body and do you trust god's plan and design That's really where we land when it comes to this. Like, do I trust God's plan? Like, do I believe that he has his best in mind for me? 
Do I believe, like, do I trust him with, with this? Do I trust his plan? Do I trust his design? Do I trust him with my body? And here's what the world will tell you. It's your body. You do you. You make the calls. You, whatever you want to do, you make them. You are the person that should make the calls in your life. And as a Christian, we're called and we're told that our bodies and what we do with them, they, it really matters. That it's not just what Brian wants to do. It matters what God wants Brian to do with his body. And God wants the best for our bodies. He has a, has a high view of, of our bodies. A more positive view than the world does. The world says, oh, it doesn't matter. It's just not going to matter. And the world kind of lowers that and says the body's not important. But God says, no, 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 no. Your body is important and what you do with it is really, really, really important. And he says this in, in 1 Corinthians chapter 6, verse 12. Uh, it's going to be up here behind me. And I want you to realize how many times the, he, the writer, God, he, he brings up this word body. Here's what he says in this verse in 1 Corinthians chapter 6. I have the right to do anything you say, but on everything is beneficial. I have the right to do everything, but I will not be mastered by anything. You say foods for the stomach and stomach for the food, and God will destroy them both. Here's where he begins talking about the body. The body, however, is not meant for sexual morality, but for the Lord. And the Lord for the body. By his power, God raised the Lord from the dead and will also raise us. Don't you know that your bodies are members of Christ himself? Shall they then take members of Christ and unite them with a prostitute? Never. Do you not know that he who unites himself with a prostitute is one with her in body? For it said, the two shall become one flesh. What we read in Mark chapter 10. But whoever is united with the Lord is one in spirit. Here's what we've already read. Flee from sexual immorality. All other sins a person commits are outside of the body. But whoever sins sexually sins against their own body. Don't you know that your bodies are the temple of the Holy Spirit who's in you? Whom you've received from God, you are not your own. You were bought at a price. Therefore, Honor God with your bodies. You see, as believers in Christ, here's what happens. As believers in Christ, we believe this, that the Holy Spirit lives inside of us. Like we're talking about that temple that lives inside of you. Remember Jesus said, I'm going to have to go. I'm not going to be here anymore, but I'm going to send somebody. I'm going to send a helper, a comforter to be with you. And that's literally what the Holy Spirit does at baptism. We are given the gift of the Holy Spirit who lives inside of us, like inside of our bodies. Like that, we are the temple of God. That's what this verse is talking. It's, it gives us this great worth that our body have this great worth that we're not just a body that we're, that we're more than that we're body and spirit and we aren't just our own we're, we're God's that our bodies should, with them we should honor him like God's view of us that we have value and that we matter and what we do matters here's what our culture says I'm my own I make the decisions here's what a Christian says I'm not my own I don't get to call the shots. I don't get to call the shots. I, what I'm called to do is, is flee and run from sexual immorality. And here's what I'm learning. It doesn't matter what I think. It matters what God thinks. And I got some bad calls in my life. 
But when I look at God's word and say, well, okay, what's his plan? What is his plan? And I ask you the question again, do you trust God with your body? Do you trust his good plan? As we land the plane tonight, I, I just, you're probably thinking, well, what do I do, man? I want my body to honor God. I, I want that. That's like what I want to stay with his plan. Like that's, you know, if that's his plan and that's his design, I'd probably be a good idea to do that. And I want to encourage you. A few things you should do is you need to seek purity in your relationships. Now, here's what happens. Here's what happens. Like we, we need to date like-minded individuals. We've already talked about this a couple weeks ago. We can't settle. Like when people share the same view as God, it's going to be a lot easier when it comes to things physically in a relationship. It doesn't mean it's going to stop things. It's not. But it's going to help a lot of those conversations. And the next thing you have to do in a relationship when you begin it, if this is something that you're serious about, God's design and God's plan is simply this. Like you're going to have to have some awkward conversations. Some awkward conversations. First couple times, me and, and my wife went on a date. We had to have the awkward conversation. And I just told her, you know what? I, I trust God's plan. And I just believe this. That like I am I, saving myself for my wife. So like that whole thing, nobody else is doing it, like the No, there are people trying their best to live for God's glory. And I told her that, you know, it's awkward to talk about, right? It's like, hey, we're just like a couple weeks into this thing, but I was really clear with her from the outset of, hey, I am saving myself for marriage. Like, I believe God's God's plan and God's design is is what's right, not Brian's plan, because Brian's plan may have been a lot different, right? But I believe it's just God that's going to lead to some awkward conversations. And there's a lot of times that we have to step up and talk about those things. Especially gentlemen, I encourage you to step up and lead spiritual conversations and talk about things like that. Like you, you have to have the awkward conversation. And you, you need to put some rules and, and, and guardrails into effect if you, if you want to worry about purity. If this is really, you're really going after God's design, that I'm saying, you know, marriage, that's where sex happens. Like, you really have to put some of those in line. Like, maybe the, the one I really like is don't never be at a, a house alone without parents there. Like, do not do that. That's one thing I was, like I told you last week, I was a grown man, 24 years old, had my own house, my own place. And I told Sarah the first couple of weeks, like, hey, we're never, we're not going there alone. I'm a grown man, but I, here's what I knew. I knew God's design and his plan, and I didn't want to mess that up. Another really good rule is this, never close the door to a bedroom. Never close a door. Like, leave the door open. Like, don't, like, the, we need some really clear guardrails and some rules. Just some ideas for you. I, last week we talked about this, dating in, in groups. Like, we have to seek purity. We have to flee from it. We have to do these things. There's a lot of other things we can put in there. But, man, I, I want to encourage you to put some rules and some guardrails and some safeties and have the awkward conversation. Have the awkward conversations. Flee. I know tonight some of you may be mad at me or hurt because I brought up something that's personal. And for some of you, you're probably ashamed that I've opened, reopened some wounds. And for some of you, maybe you're not ashamed and you're just tuned me out. But here's what I want you to know. 
What I love about Jesus, it's never too late. It's never too late. And don't you believe for a moment that that you have sinned too much to be loved by Jesus Christ. You are never too far gone. I don't care how far you've been down this road, you are never too far gone. And Jesus still loves you just the same. That you have great value. That the Holy Spirit would love to still live inside of you. Your body has great value. So much that Jesus gave his body for your body. That he died on the cross for you. For you, that's how much value you have. That you're, you're, you're not trash, you're not broken, you, you, you're beautiful because Christ makes us that way. And I just want to remind you, do you trust God and his plan? You know, you are going to get to tell your story and every event from your past is going to be part of your story. We all have chapters we hope no one will read. But what story do you want to tell? What story do you want to tell? You want to tell a story like, hey, I, you know what, I, I, I trusted God's design and, and I, I fought tooth and nail and I have waited for you, my husband or wife. It's a cool story to tell. It's a powerful story to tell. Maybe for some of you, your story is going to go this way. You know what, I, I, high school, I really messed up. I, but you know, since then, I learned that that's not God's design. And since that day, I have fought tooth and nail. I have turned down temptation after temptation. And I have said, you know what? I, I believe God's design. Yeah, I messed up, but I, you know, I want you to know that I have been fighting for years to, to, that I would stay pure for, for you. You see, here's the thing tonight. Do you trust God in this plan? Do you believe that he's really providing something better? Do you really believe that he's protecting us from some things? When he says, says hey, there's a place and a time, and it's, it's when it comes to marriage. And just remember that Jesus laid down and sacrificed his body for yours on the cross. And I love the last line of this first Corinthians, and he says, honor God with your body. That's what I want to challenge you to do. It's gonna be hard. It's gonna be difficult. But God calls us to honor him with our body. And I'm telling you, it's worth fighting for. I'm telling you, it's worth saying no for. I'm telling you, it's worth not hanging out at the house alone for. I'm telling you, it's worth having, you know, leaving the door. It's worth the awkward conversation. It's worth it. Whenever we find God's best, it's worth it. I dare you, I challenge you, honor God with your body from this day on. Maybe you've messed up in the past. I want to encourage you, honor God with your body. I'm going to pray and we'll see if we have any questions tonight. Father, I thank you for tonight. And God, I pray right now that we just take a few seconds as I pray and maybe we've never said that. God, I want to honor you with my body. I, want, I, I trust you. I trust your design. I trust your plan. God, if there's students who've never said that to you, I pray that tonight that they would just begin to, to believe that truth. God, I pray you be with people tonight as they process this message. God, I pray that you'll be with uh, people who've been broken by this in the past, that they'd realize that they are loved by you and that forgiveness is a real thing and that you went to the cross to wipe that away. God, I pray that the young people here today and even people like myself, that I would honor you with my body. 
There's a lot of things that would love to ruin my marriage, God, and I pray that you will help me be a man who lives to honor you with every thought and everything I do with my body. And I pray the same for everyone else here tonight. God, thanks for your word. Thanks for addressing things that many times we don't address. And for giving us some clarity. It's something that's really, really important. God, we pray all this in Jesus' name. Amen.